I don't believe in no one's scenarios. Data, 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 I cannot make bricks without clay. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. Hello and welcome to Cheeky Scientist Radio. Today's show is critical to listen to if you have a quote-unquote bare-bones LinkedIn profile or a bad LinkedIn profile or a LinkedIn profile that just has your university and some, ac- and some academic job titles in your headline. If this is the case, go delete your LinkedIn profile right now. I'm not saying this for effect. I'm saying this because I'm about to tell you and show you through audio data proving that if you have a bad LinkedIn profile, one that is not up to date, one that's not complete, you are less likely to get hired than if you have no LinkedIn profile. Now, of course, if you have a comprehensive LinkedIn profile, if you filled it out correctly, which I'll show you how to do during this uh, podcast as well, um, you have a much higher chance of getting hired. So what do these numbers look like? Let's jump to the study. This study is by Statista. So Statista does a lot of LinkedIn studies, and what they found was that for entry-level, mid-level, and upper-level jobs, people without a LinkedIn profile were more likely to get hired than those with a, again, quote-unquote, bare-bones LinkedIn profile, meaning your LinkedIn profile's not complete. You don't have the core sections all the way filled out. You've just put in your academic job titles or just the job titles. You haven't put in bullet points explaining what you've done. You haven't added any quantified results. Your headline, if it just has a university, if it just has an academic job title, barely any other information. If you just did enough to have a profile, you're less likely to get hired than if you have no profile at at all. I'm going to tell you the exact statistics here. Now, the numbers are close. Uh, they're close for entry level and uh, managerial level. Uh, Mid level has the the biggest difference, uh, uh, almost a full, actually a full percentage point. Um, I want to tell you first, though, that a comprehensive LinkedIn profile, will, where all of the core sections are filled out, gives you a much higher chance of getting contacted by an employer, a much higher chance of getting an interview, and of course, a much much higher chance of getting hired. So let's look at the statistics. First, we're going to look at the entry-level positions. Now, as a PhD, if you follow the right methodology, if you are networking, getting referrals, et cetera, you should not be getting entry-level positions. Uh, I really want to encourage you against this. It is, in my opinion, a travesty for a PhD to go through all of this additional training to get hired finally in industry just to work side-by-side in the same role same job title as somebody with their bachelor's or master's alone, or worse, to be managed by somebody with their bachelor's or master's. Even in R&D, this happens. Because if you don't know what you're doing in, in your job search, if you don't know how to interview appropriately, if you don't know how to negotiate appropriately, you will end up in an entry-level position. And studies show by Rasmussen and others that if you start in an entry-level position in industry, you will stay there for an average of five to eight years. That's like doing an entire uh, additional PhD. So hopefully this is none of you, but the statistics are if you have no LinkedIn profile, your callback rates, again, uh, this is your odds of getting a phone screen after an employer sees your LinkedIn profile. It's only uh, 7.8%, 7.8%. Now this is overall, right? Overall, 7.8% chance 
of getting a callback if you have no LinkedIn profile. So let's say you've uploaded your resume. Your resume has a link to your LinkedIn profile. Uh, then you would have a LinkedIn profile. If there's no link to your LinkedIn profile, you have no profile, you have a 7.8% chance of getting hired. Uh, if you have a bare bones LinkedIn profile, as in if you have that URL at the top of your resume next to your contact info, which you should, they go to your LinkedIn profile. They're not impressed. It's a bad profile. It's an incomplete profile. It's an academic LinkedIn profile. Your chances of getting a call back, a phone screen are 7.4%. Now, this is within the rate of statistical error, but even that is shocking. Having no profile is the same as having a bad profile. So don't have any profile at all because it can only hurt you. Now, if you have a comprehensive profile, your chances for an entry-level position of getting a phone screen is 15.8%. 15.8%, so double, more than double. Uh, it more than doubles your chances of getting a phone screen for an entry-level position. For a mid-level position, this, these are the senior scientist or senior engineer positions, certainly the principal scientist, principal engineer. Um, the positions, no matter your background, whether it's life sciences, physical sciences, engineering, social sciences, humanities, etc., these are the positions you should be getting into at least mid-level. Now, if you have no LinkedIn profile, so the employer gets your resume, there's no LinkedIn profile attached, they search for you on LinkedIn, you don't have a profile, your chances of getting that phone screen are 8.2%. If you have the bad profile, the bare bones profile, it drops to 7.2%, a single percentage point lower. Um, this is statistically significant. It is a single percentage point. So again, you're better off not even having a profile. Now, if you have a comprehensive LinkedIn profile, one that's filled out correctly, and I'm going to tell you how to do this, this is upcoming, uh, your chances of getting that phone screen are 13.4%. So higher, uh, but not as high as for entry-level positions. Now, for management-level positions, those executive-level positions, positions that many of you can get into if you do everything correctly and get a strong referral, no LinkedIn profile, 7.7%. Bare bones, LinkedIn profile, bad LinkedIn profile, 7.1%. Again, lower, uh, much higher, 11.2% higher, 11.2% uh, chance of getting a phone screen if you have a comprehensive LinkedIn profile. So yes, it's interesting to see that as you go from entry level to mid-level to upper level positions, your LinkedIn profile uh, will have less influence overall in terms of whether or not you're getting a phone screen. How could that be? Because guess what? The higher level positions rely more and more on referrals. This is why we spent so much time on it on the last radio show. So whatever podcast you're using uh, to listen to this, listen to the last podcast after this one. Uh, it will benefit you greatly. Okay, so let's talk about LinkedIn. How do you create a comprehensive LinkedIn profile? What is a comprehensive versus a bad or bare bones LinkedIn profile? We're going to walk through that step by step. The first thing I want to tell you is that you have to consider how your LinkedIn profile is read by an employer. They are not spending immense amounts of time on it. Uh, a LinkedIn profile, for the amount of time and effort you put into it, you're going to get a lot out of it because that one LinkedIn profile will be seen by all employers. Unlike your resume where you have to target every individual resume for one individual position or employer, your LinkedIn profile has to appeal to all employers that come to see your LinkedIn profile. How do they read it? Quickly. The average is seven to 10 seconds. According to eye-tracking studies published in peer-reviewed journal articles, and there are many, and if you take these eye-tracking studies on a, a single study, a single person who is 
looked at a LinkedIn profile or any web page and they've had uh, their eyes, uh, the movement of their eyes monitored, it creates a readout that looks like a heat map on your LinkedIn profile. Now, if you take thousands of these heat maps from different individuals across these studies and put them on top of each other, you'll start to see an F shape similar to the F shape that we discussed when we were discussing resumes a few radio shows back. That F shape, it has a bar across the top. This is the visual center. Your LinkedIn profile has a visual center as well. What's in the visual center? Your headshot, your headline, and the background image, and then that first sentence of your summary. Those are the most crucial parts. LinkedIn's algorithm favors those parts uh, more than any other part of your LinkedIn profile. Uh, unfortunately, comprehensiveness, the more sections you fill out, will benefit you in terms of the search results, but 80% of the keyword strength is in that visual center, that top horizontal bar of the F shape uh, in terms of those eye-tracking studies. Now, the vertical bar is right down on the left-hand side. This is where they're going to see the different subheaders, uh, such as your job titles, uh, the different sections of LinkedIn, and so forth. And then they'll go all the way to the bottom because people like to feel that sense of completion. They'll pause on the bottom just a little bit, and then they'll scroll back up, usually to the top of the work experience section, skim across. That's the middle second horizontal bar of the F. Something else you need to consider is that on LinkedIn, there's multiple types of LinkedIn, not just the LinkedIn that you see. Now, some smaller companies, uh, some recruiting sharks, they might just use the regular LinkedIn that job candidates like you are using to find people like you. Uh, but many companies will use LinkedIn Recruiter, a separate LinkedIn, to find you. This separate LinkedIn is optimized for employers. It's optimized for employers to search by the three top things they search for, which we'll come back to over and over again, are job title, location, and skills. In fact, if you go to LinkedIn Recruiter or just go and Google LinkedIn Recruiter, look at some of the images for what LinkedIn Recruiter looks like. If you have an account, if you are at a company, at the top left is job title, location, and skills. Those are the three search fields. All the other search fields are hidden. Guess what? Most hiring managers and recruiters do not have a PhD. They very likely hate doing research. LinkedIn Recruiter knows this. So it puts job title, location, and skills at the top, and that's it. Now they can dig in and look at many other things. They can search for many other things, but those are the most important. 80% of the research that is done on LinkedIn Recruiter are those three search fields, job title, location, skills. If I'm hiring a R&D professional for a job in London and I want them to have a particular skill set like project management, what am I going to search for? R&D or R&D professional or researcher, maybe even analyst, right? Because I'm an employer, I don't have a PhD. I'm using much more generic terms for job titles. I'm not using computational analytical chemist or uh, B-cell development immunologist or whatever specialty that, we, that you have uh, in academia, okay? They do not create job titles that specific. Then I'm searching for the location for what the job is hiring in. You have to have a location on your LinkedIn profile. And then I'm searching for those skills and the skills that I'm going to use, that I'm going to search for as a recruiter or hiring manager without a PhD are not going to be highly specific technical skills. They're going to be the transferable skills that give rise to those technical skills. I might search for research. <laughs> I might search for analysis. I might search for uh, risk mitigation. I might search for resource management. A lot of things that you very likely don't even have on your LinkedIn profile, so you're not even showing up in the search results. Notice what's not on there. Universities. 
Nobody's searching to find industry job candidates by their university. Not happening. Uh, what's not on there? Academic job titles. Nobody's typing in, oh, graduate research assistant. Oh, postdoctoral fellow. This is why you're not being found. Another reason you're likely not being found is because you have not even told your LinkedIn profile. You have not given LinkedIn permission to show your LinkedIn profile on LinkedIn Recruiter. That's right. You have to go to the homepage, uh, your profile page of LinkedIn, and there's a little dotted box now in the top of your profile in that uh, visual center that we talked about right under your headline. There's a little dotted box that says, show recruiters you're open to job opportunities. By recruiters, they mean all employers that are using LinkedIn Recruiter. Click that box. A little pop-up will open up. It says, tell us what kind of work you're open to. This is where you enter job titles that you want to be found for. Most of you haven't even done this. A lot of you are probably going, oh, that's why I'm not getting contacted by recruiters or employers. That's why nobody's replying to me. Go to your profile. Turn this on now. You also want to put in your job locations. You can put in multiple locations. And the best thing about this is you can choose an option. There's a little drop-down menu or pop-up menu that says only recruiters can see this information so that your PI or, or current employer cannot see that you're available for jobs. Only companies that are paying for LinkedIn Recruiter can see it. Um, if you don't care, you can say all LinkedIn members can see that you're looking for job opportunities. Now, let's go through some quick things that you need to do to have a comprehensive LinkedIn profile. You need to do these things or again, you might as well delete your profile. Now, I understand there's some benefit to keeping your profile so you can network with people, but if it's going to hurt your chances of getting hired, why not either just get rid of it, get rid of the headache, or what I, of course, really want you to do is consider building out your LinkedIn profile, taking the time to do it correctly, do it once, and you're done with it until something major happens, right? Which is why all of you should be updating your LinkedIn profile now, uh, given the pandemic, because we are now in a recession. There, the, the economy has uh, taken a turn for the worse. So employers are looking for different transferable skills. Uh, their mindset is different. What they're looking for on LinkedIn is different. Okay, so what are nine things you can do to your LinkedIn profile, nine strategies you can do uh, to get into an industry job despite the bad economy? First of all, include a professional headshot, right? LinkedIn is very smart now. Most algorithms are. They can tell if you've uploaded a bad photo. If it's a grainy photo, they can tell the quality of the photo. Have you ever exported a photo on your computer and it asks you what quality do you want to have? Yeah, the computer knows the quality. So put in a high quality image. And then, of course, you want to have a high quality image qualitatively too. So if an employer actually sees it, it shows your eyes. It's well lit. You're wearing what you would wear to an interview. You want to answer four questions in your headline. So the actual headline, you want to answer four questions with whatever you type in there. Uh, one of the questions is not, what is your academic job title? Okay, uh, It's not, what university did you go to? Instead, who are you professionally, as in what professional skills do you have? Two types of skills, what technical skills and transferable skills. You don't, have a, you don't have a lot of room in your headline. So you want to really narrow this down to the key skills that employers are going to be looking for for the jobs you want to get hired into. Who are you personally? You have to have something personal on there. Remember, most recruiters, hiring managers don't have a PhD. They didn't spend their entire life in academia or in STEM or non-STEM or whatever it is. Put something on there that the general public could identify with so they have something to bring up as that first question on a phone screen. Some, something like you're into arts and crafts. You like to spend time outdoors. You're into hiking. Something basic. Do not 
choose something that will further identify you as narrow-minded or a nerd, etc. Do not put gaming. Do not put you're into you know games of uh, Game of Thrones novels or fantasy novels uh, in terms of science fiction. Don't put that you're into uh, magic cards. These are questions that I've I've been asked seriously during live seminars. Okay, you want to include things like again a sport or a hobby, something that shows that you're well-rounded. Very important. What do you want to be professionally? That's the third question you need to ask. This is your job titles. Top one or two job titles. You have to put it on your headline. Your headline is not your resume. It's the job titles you want to be found for. And then where do you want to work? Have you included your city, country, uh, a location that's specific? Too many PhDs think, well, if I'm just vague or I don't mention a city or country or location, then I'll, then I'll be found for every location that an employer search, searches for. Uh, of course, that's not how algorithms work. You're going to be found for none. So choose one or two cities, a couple of locations, the, the greater Boston area, okay, the, the greater Sydney area, whatever it is. Choose a location. If you're willing to relocate, put willing to relocate. Very important to do. Choose a background image. I, I would say create a custom background image that's not just a pretty picture of something, but is symbolic of the field you want to get into. And I would put it into PowerPoint or Illustrator, or something else, and add some text to it. What should that text be on the image? Put it in the upper right-hand corner and just have maybe three bullet points with your three skills that you have that you want employers to see. This will make your profile really stand out. Now, your headline appears in many places. A lot of people don't know this. Of course, it appears in the top of your LinkedIn profile, but it also appears within search results listings. That's right. Your entire top of your profile will appear in many of LinkedIn's search result uh, search results listings. As in, if an employer searches for you or searches for a candidate like you on LinkedIn Recruiter, it'll show the entire top of your profile. And they can certainly get to it much faster without going to your, to your entire profile. Um, it'll show beside your LinkedIn posts on uh, your LinkedIn feed and other people's LinkedIn feeds. It'll show when you message people on LinkedIn. And it shows up in LinkedIn invitations and much more. You have to take this part of your LinkedIn profile seriously, okay? Now, when you build out your visual center, you'll get your headline, your picture's done, but then there's your professional summary. You need to spend a lot of time on this. The most important part of your professional summary is the first sentence because an employer has to click see more to see your entire professional summary. Guess how many times they do that? Not a lot. It's far less than 10%, depending on what study you look at, one out of 10 at the most would click see more. So that first sentence needs to be intriguing. It needs to be in the first person in narrative form. I am so-and-so, and then talk about what you've done that's relevant to where you want to go. Tell a story of where you're headed, how you're the perfect fit for the position that you want. No matter what company's looking at this, they need to read that story and see that you're telling it the first person, that you seem normal, right? That's what telling it in the first person helps, right? It's just a narrative. It, it's more casual on LinkedIn. It's not like a resume where it's only formal, but then you want to mix in some of your quantified results and bring it back to the work that you can do for that company, how you can bring those same results, the results they care about to that company. This is crucial. Now, in terms of skills to put on your resume, the best uh, for your LinkedIn profile, it's similar to how you find skills for your resume, except once again, your LinkedIn profile has to appeal to all employers looking at it. 
Unlike your resume, where you send one resume out per open position, you target it one by one. LinkedIn has to appeal to dozens, hundreds of employers that might be searching for you or that you might be sending your resume to with your LinkedIn URL in the contact information on your resume. So what I recommend doing is going to 10, 20 different job postings for two or three different jobs that you want. Now, this is only true if the jobs are somewhat similar. Like if you're interested in medical science liaison jobs, but you're also okay with maybe a medical affairs associate job, maybe even a medical writing job, okay, that's when you could have three and you could look at 10 to 20 different job postings for those three different types of jobs. You copy and paste all of the text from all of those job postings. You put them into a free word cloud. Go to wordcloud.com or wordclouds.com or wordle, W-O-R-D-L-E.com, I believe. And then you can enter that information. It'll give you a word cloud. The largest words that are skills are the ones that are listed the most in all of those job postings. Take the top five or 10, put them throughout your LinkedIn profile. It has to be throughout. You can't quote unquote keyword stack. Uh, LinkedIn will know what you're doing. It will quote unquote, again, sandbox you, which means they just bury you. And uh, in terms of being found in the search results, you won't be found. So don't do that. You have to strategically put these keywords throughout your profile, put the most important ones in your headline, in your professional summary, and then start to build them out in your volunteer section, your work experience section, and every other section. Keep in mind the risk related, the recession related skills that you should be putting on your profile too. We talked about this a few radio shows uh, ago and uh, keywords, transferable skills like performance management, change management, risk mitigation, systemization, project management. These become very important during a recession. It might be obvious to you that risk mitigation is a key skill, but what about resource management? Um, Anything that has to do with regulatory acumen, financial acumen, um, production, return on investments, work ethic, et cetera. They want to know you're the safest, least riskiest candidate because they're trying to eliminate as much waste as possible so that they can stay in business. This is very important. Now, when I talk about quantified results, a lot of PhDs uh, get concerned. I've mentioned these eight types of quantified results before. Every PhD either has these or understands that they might have them or how other PhDs could have them. Number of publications. No publications, no problem. Number of presentations, number of collaborations, number of optimized or innovated methodologies, number of discoveries, number of patents, number of grants, number of grant funding. You will put these quantified results in your summary, in your work experience section, and in your volunteer experience section. You should not fill out any part of LinkedIn without adding a couple of bullet points to talk about what you did there, even in your your volunteer experience section which, by the way, is one of the most important sections that many employers look at. Why? Because you can tell a lot about what somebody's very, very passionate about by looking at their volunteer experience. You can also see that they have a sense of teamwork, a sense of helping others, a sense of adding value if they have been volunteering. You have some volunteer experience somewhere, somewhere along the way, very likely. And if you can, try to put your If you're a STEM PhD, try to put some non-STEM volunteer experience, vice versa if you're non-STEM. Show, again, that you're well-rounded. Your volunteer experience section is a great place to do this. Your accomplishments section is stacked now. That includes things like your publications, languages, um, collaborations, et cetera. Fill those out, especially fill out the projects section. As a PhD, you should have at least five to 10 projects listed. It's a great place to add more keywords. Make sure you're adding your publications too. 
unlike your resume where you just want to put publications available upon request, you don't want to have a works cited section in your resume, but on LinkedIn, they have a publication feature where it'll show the title, the abstract, but it will also allow you to pull in your co-authors. It shows the co-authors faces. This is a quick way for employers to see, wow, they've done big projects with other people. Recommendations. It's crucial here to show that you both have recommendations, but you've also given recommendations. They want to see that kind of reciprocation in terms of adding value and giving value. Have at least two recommendations. Give at least two recommendations. However, try not to make it uh, the same people for both. Right? Try to have it vary because if it's two, the same two people you gave a recommendation to are the same that gave it back to you, uh, you need to try a little harder. Okay, because it just comes across like you're just trying to check that box off. A very important section that's becoming more important to LinkedIn is your featured skills and endorsements. You can only choose three. Newsflash, the top three skills should not be some esoteric, uh, very uh, rare technical skill that you're really proud of learning in academia that will not apply to industry. And even if it does, the, the initial gatekeepers, the hiring managers, the recruiters will have no idea what you're talking about. Think of the transferable skills that give rise to those technical skills, right? Think of research, just research being a technical skill, uh, a transferable skill that leads to more differentiated, more specific technical skills. Analysis, uh, speed of learning, scientific due diligence, scientific ethics, whatever it might be, project management. Again, you can refer to the word cloud uh, that we discussed before to know which skills you should put up there and then ask people to recommend you. They have to jump through more hoops to uh, endorse your skills now, uh, to, to recommend your skills. They, for, the, for this section, it's called endorsing, endorsing your skills. To do this now, they have to say when they've worked with you or if they have worked with you, if they worked side by side, if they managed you or if you managed them or if uh, it was some sort of cross-functional uh, collaboration or professional relationship, they have to answer a few more questions. It's not as easy as just clicking a button anymore, but it's still worth the effort because those skills are tied to the LinkedIn recruiter, uh, LinkedIn talent insights, anywhere that employers are searching for skills. If you have a skill that's endorsed 99 plus times or a lot of times versus a profile that doesn't have that skill endorsed that many times, you're going to be above them in the search results. Again, this is why building out your LinkedIn profile really matters. Now, you can take quizzes on LinkedIn now for certain skill sets. You can also update your experience section in multiple ways. Now, if you don't have industry experience, I do want to tell you that you can use a functional format for your work experience section on LinkedIn. If all you have is academic job titles, consider in the title, right? Now, notice it doesn't say job title. It just says title. If you go to edit your work experience, it'll say title. Now, your title can be anything. It doesn't have to be the job title. It doesn't have to be graduate research assistant, which none of us really use uh, in academia. We only use it on our professional profiles when we're, when we're applying to jobs. So, in, so instead of having your title be graduate research assistant or postdoctoral fellow, put the skills there, the main skills that you learned that employers are searching for. Project and resource management, for example, could be your title. And then in the description box that also opens up, that's where you would put gained as a graduate research assistant at the University of XYZ. Gained as a postdoctoral fellow at the University of XYZ with a couple of bullet points underneath in the same description box that shows your transferable skills and your quantified results and frames them in terms of what you're going to do for that company in the future. 
There's many other profile sections, the ones that you must fill out in addition to what I've already discussed. Education, language, if you know additional languages, very valuable. Volunteer opportunities, I wanted to highlight that one again. Organizations, honors and awards. Test scores, courses, patents. Complete your LinkedIn profile. By doing this, you will separate yourself from other job candidates, especially other PhDs who are not putting the time or effort in because it's uncomfortable. It's draining. I've filled out my LinkedIn profile many times. I know it's draining. It's boring. It's not the most fun thing to do. There's so many different sections now. But if you could double your chances of getting a phone screen just by completing your LinkedIn profile appropriately, just by following what I've told you on this radio show, wouldn't you do it? I hope you do. This takes us to the end of this radio show. As always, remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional. Are you worried about the rapidly shrinking job market? Like me, have you been seeing more and more articles on universities shutting down their research labs, furloughing employees, cutting postdocs and TAs, and even withdrawing PhD student funding? If so, it might be wise to start taking steps to protect your PhD career. You've worked very hard and very intelligently for years to establish yourself, but likely you have not reached your full career potential yet. Perhaps you're not even getting respect and you're not getting the rewards that you deserve. The good news is you can get into an industry career where you can get paid well for doing meaningful work. All you need is the right knowledge and the right network. The Cheeky Scientist Association gives you lifetime access to the world's number one PhD-only job search training platform with multiple courses and the PhD-only job referral network of over 10,000-plus industry PhDs. Now is your chance to become a lifetime member for 20% off of the association. Just use the coupon code CheekyRadio at www.phdsgethired.com. That's phdsgethired.com. P-H-D-S-G-E-T-H-I-R-E-D.com. Simply type phdsgethired.com into your website browser, scroll to the orange membership button, and click on it, then enter the coupon code CheekyRadio to get 20% off a lifetime membership now. No recurring monthly fees, no recurring annual fees, Nobody else offers this. PhDsgethired.com. Use the coupon code CheekyRadio. Remember your value as a PhD. And remember that knowledge is power and your network is your net worth.